Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We would like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our weekly live Q&As. Today, we are, or this evening, we are fortunate enough to be speaking to Adam James from Jindy Kelpies, who will be picking who he thinks has the best question and I'll win their bag of um, Enduro dog food. Hey, Adam, how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks, guys. Good. Tell awesome, us a mate. bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. <clears throat> um, so I'm originally, originally from Victoria, um, didn't grow up on a farm, just, yeah, lived in a rural area and then, um, yeah, wanted to get into ag and wasn't sure how to do it. So I went to uni and studied and then got a farmhand job up here at Kangaroo Mountain. And then, um, yeah, lucky enough, after 18 months, I got put up to manager and that's, yeah, that's where I've been the last, oh, probably nearly five and a half years. Yeah, right, Ed. So not growing up, um, you know, on a farm, where'd your passion for livestock come from? Um, look, it does test my memory, but I'm pretty sure when I was about eight or nine, we had a pet Kelpie and um, oh, dad will probably prove me wrong, but I think he just wanted to see what our Kelpie would do on sheep. And then it snowballed and, you know, he went to schools and clinics and then I tagged along and, and then I think I was 14, I got my first Kelpie. Um, and, yeah, just wanted to work her all the time and, and train her and get better and then eventually wanted to get a job where I got paid, you know, I got paid to work my dogs. Beautiful. So how do you use your dogs in your day-to-day life? Oh, pretty much every way. Like, so I'm the only stocky here, um, so we run things about 5,000 ewes and, and 900 cattle and I do all the stock work. Um, so they do everything, mustering, drafting, processing, everything. So um, all just me and the, and the dogs. So it's, yeah, you just couldn't do it without them. They just, yeah, they just did a lot. See on your videos out there that you do a lot on your side by side and that, but also a few there we've done stuff on horseback. You still do a bit with your horse? Uh, no, not really. Like. Uh, it's changed. When I first came here, we, we did. Um, there'd be a couple of us go out with dogs and horses. Um, but now, not not really. Um, I mean, their paddocks are a lot smaller. You know, as the farms developed and, and progressed, I think in the last two years, oh, we're still going now, actually, but in the last two years, we put up about 10 or 12 k's of fencing just to try and, you know, chop those paddocks up and make them a bit more manageable. Um, yep. So some of them, are, you know, there's probably three, two or three that are around the 350 to 400 hectare mark and it's pretty pretty rough and, um, yeah, quite inaccessible by bike. But if you've got dogs, you know, you can you can cast them a fair way blind and, um, yeah, you can get away without it. Uh, just, yeah, nowadays horses just take so much longer, particularly here, um, so, like, it's 7,000 um, acres, but the very front corner is where the house and all the yards are, uh, yep. and then all the rough stuff's out the back. So you literally got to walk a horse all the way through the property just to get to where you're going and then do your job. Like, you can't you can't float anything through the property. So it's just, you know, if you had three or four people here, you probably would use horses, but, you know, by myself, no, nah, it's just not. I've got enough to do. You find that when you put all the fences up, it changed um, any of – did your dogs have to adjust to working the paddocks 
differently from having such bigger paddocks coming back down to smaller paddocks? Nah. Nah, not really, because it's just um, like there's still fairly – well, for down here, there's still fairly big paddocks, and so you're not uh, you're not just running a fence line. You're sort of just driving through the whole lot and even walking through the whole lot. So it's just um, – you know, they don't know where the fences are. It's just a paddock to them still. So has the type of dog changed from what you had before all the fencing? Nah, like I said, we've we still got um, – uh, still got quite a few rough paddocks, so I still need those sort of bigger casting, more searching type dogs. Um, but no, they're still they're still challenging. They're just smaller. Um, yep. Tell so, us a bit about your team that you have there, mate. Oh, I don't know if I want to. They're, they're a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the depth that that I had um, probably three or four years ago. I'm running only five five work dogs now, and. Um, that's pretty. I feel that's pretty slim pickings for here. It's um, sort of need a minimum of six, and then you sort of have two or three coming through. But yeah, I've got five, and that's it. And one's out now with pups, so uh, it's been four, and they've they've really copped it. Um, but I've got sort of two two pretty experienced dogs in in Moss and Scout. Um, but yeah, and then there's Chuck. He's experienced, but he's sort of floats around a bit and then there's um Groot who's sort of two and a half and he's done most of my work this year and he's probably going to be my new my new number one well he still he is now he's done yeah majority of the work out of all of them and then there's yeah Abby who's been out with pups so she's she missed all of calf marking um most of land marking um so yeah I'll be itching to get her back so what style of dog do you prefer? Um, oh, I've got all sorts, really, um, but I do like dogs that stand upright and that are pretty free-moving. Um, you know, I like a little bit of eye but not not too much. I like them, you know, to be pretty chilled. You know, if sheep are walking past and they're just off loose around the house, I don't want them to even look at the sheep, really, just to be, you know, pretty casual, low intensity. And, yeah, that's just a... Just a nice dog to have around. To anyone that, um, for any of our viewers that may not understand when you say upright, do you want to explain why you like a dog that stands upright? Uh, it's just a preference. I just don't like them um, sort of lying down on their belly too much. But I've got, like, Moss is, Moss lies down all the time. He's He holds his head below his shoulders, um, but he can get away with it. I just personal preference. I just like them to hold their head higher and stand upright and just sort of show their show the sheep or the stock their full size. You you find that the stock move off them a bit more if they're holding themselves more proud. Yeah, yeah, and usually not always, but usually it means they're a bit less intense and have a bit less eye, uh, yeah. which is what I like. So it sort of just just goes hands in hand in hand with the other things that I like too. So have have you changed what you like in a dog from where you first started? Um, same stuff still there. Like I just look for a good dog. Um, you know, so I break I break a dog down into like sort of like three areas, you know, their their ability on cattle, their yard ability and their mustering ability. And as long as they can, you know, if they're elite in one of those areas and then they can 
you know, pretty handy or handy enough to get the job done in the other two, well, then that's good enough for me. Um, so, no, not really. And when I started, you know, I just needed a team. I came up here with two dogs uh, or two trained dogs, Buster and, and a bitch I had called Liz, um, and then a couple of young young dogs like Moss was a, a little pup. Um, yeah, I think Scout was, I don't know what Scout was, six months or something like that. Um, so I just needed a team. Like two dogs was nowhere near enough, so I just bought a kid and trained a lot of pups and just had to keep them, had to build a team. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that sort of pretty hard on, on picking dogs, but you've got to have a team before you can start changing things around, I think. And you mentioned about breeding your own pups there. Are you starting to see those qualities in the pups you're breeding now? Um, you know, you would have seen them in the dogs you're bringing in, but now that you have a few of your own pups... Um, yeah, sort of, but I don't do a ton of breeding, really. Like, I've got one bitch at the moment. Um, but, yeah, look, well, well, at the moment in my main team, two of the dogs I bred, so two of the five what I bred. Um, and then yeah, there was Jodie that died a couple of months ago. She she was one I bred as well. So, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm breeding something that I like, so... Um, I'll keep doing it. That's the main thing, right? You've got to like them. Well, yeah, like everyone works differently and has different different types of stock and different types of dogs, and it's just what suits you. 100%. Is there anything you'd like to see more so in your line, traits? Uh, yeah. So so basically I just look at my dogs as a team of dogs, Um I don't really – I look at them individually too, but I look at where my team's strong and where they're weak. And, um, you yeah, know, some people may know, like I lost Ace and Jody a couple months ago and they were my main cattle dogs. Um, and uh, so they were a lot more higher-intensity dogs too. So my team now is fairly soft-natured and um, probably don't have that grunt. So I'm looking to add a bit more aggression in my team now just because I lost that. Um, but yeah, I just, like I said, as long as the dogs can fill roles and break, I break the work down to those three elements, the cattle, yard and paddock. And, you know, I lost a big part of my cattle ele element from those two dogs. So that's what I'm looking for now. And, um, you mentioned there before about, um, seeing the traits that you like, like when you do pick a pupfish, whether, whether it's a pup you breed or one that you, you get in. What are you looking for in that particular pup? Is it just to fill that gap at that time for traits or is it something that you, you're seeing it for later on? Or um, so, so like if I'm – so now, for instance, if I was looking to breed again, I'd be looking to find a more sort of aggressive dog as a sire, yeah, to try and breed that replacement. And same, same if I was buying in, I'd find a litter or a breeder that had a more, you know, that more type of dog that I was missing. Um, as That's opposed to, oh, yeah, sorry, no, no, you're yeah. right. Just as opposed to picking pups out of a litter, I just pick a random one. Yeah, um, right. And like, you haven't got a special handshake that you have to do for pup or? Um, <laughs> no, like, I think most people have said on here, it's, it's just luck. Uh, yeah. But I do, like, there is a couple of things I go through, but nothing. Um, so, like, at the moment, because I've got one bitch, I look for bitches. 
and yep. usually there's more males than females uh, is what i found so that restricts your options straight away um secondly i i prefer red and tans even though most of my teams black and tans i still prefer red and tans so yeah, you look for red and tan bitch, they're pretty popular and, and there's not usually many in the litters. So usually I don't have a choice. Um, why red and tan? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, why red and tan? Oh, I don't know. I just, it's different. Like black and tan's the most common. So I just like red and tans. And um, oh, there's that, there's that theory that they get along, you know, similar to a white collie, that they get along with their stock slightly better. Um, and that's how I prefer to work as opposed to a dog that intimidates stock. Um, but like I said, most, you know, Buster's my only red and tan dog here now and he's not even working. So, yeah, it's nothing against black and tans. It's just a, if I have a choice, I'll pick a red and tan. But the other thing too, I've been playing around with, with pups. Um, it'd be interesting to see if anyone else has done this. Um, and I've only tried it with one dog, Groot, who... Brad and he's come through to a, a fully experienced dog now is um i took him to the vets they like as a little pup they picked him out straight away as having um, a lot lower resting heart rate than the other pups in the litter um and i just i don't know if that's got anything to do with stamina or not but i mean he's got unbelievable stamina now and it's just yeah, because you can't really pick any working traits, that's a physical trait you could possibly look they, for. They say the same with horses. They have a longer stamina with a lower heart rate. Yeah, but there's other things too, like Groot's not a really intense dog, and so he doesn't burn his mind out anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's just something else you could look for, I guess. I don't know if it's true. It's Like I said, it's just the one dog that I've I've run it through, tested it from a pup, pup right through to a fully experienced dog. But yeah, right. And it could be a coincidence, but that's, yeah, it seems to work with him. I've actually never heard that before, so that's pretty interesting. Um, oh, I, I hadn't heard of it either. That's why it could be, I could make it all up. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good, mate. Just roll with it. It's just something that the vet the vet just picked it out straight away, and then now, is, like, he's done a fair bit of work now of noticing that he's outlasting all the other dogs. Um, and it'd just be interesting to see if... Um, Whoever's got litters now, if they went and took them to the vets, picked the low, you know, the lower heart rate pup and and run it through for a couple of years and see what happens. I'm sure there's people that, that know all this and, and know that I'm probably, you know, talking shit or something, but um, I haven't experienced it. So who were some of the most influential dogs that you believe got you to where you are today? Uh, well, I mean, I haven't really been around that long, but... Buster, you know, my Tundabadi Buster, like he's um, obviously got me up and, and going and, and did a lot of work for me. Like I said, when I moved here, I just had him and another bitch, Liz, and they did did a lot of work for me. Um, but breeding-wise too, Buster, like like I said, I've got five, five main work dogs now. Two of them are his sons out of different litters and Groot's his grandson and, yeah, Jody that died a few weeks back. Couple of months ago was his granddaughter as well, so he his bloods you know through all my dogs at the moment, and um, like I said seems to be breeding what I like, and so he's he's had a lot of influence on my stuff. But like I said, I haven't really um, been around through generations of dogs yet, so he could yeah you know, his line could fade, I guess. 
And was Buster just a chance purchase or was that something that you we you liked the, the bloodline or was there a reason that you purchased Buster to sell it? Uh, well, um, Rod Cavill bred Buster and I just liked Rod's dogs and I went up to him at trial one day and said, if you ever have any pups, um, let me know. And he did. He had a litter of pups and, yeah, so I just – Buster was – there was two males and Rod picked the other one and I got Buster. The fact he was red and tan didn't have anything to do with it, mate? No, nah, nah, not at that stage. <laughs> uh, Joe's, Joe Levin is just uh, written here in regards to the heart rate and parts. He said to check out the Scott Lithgow book. Yeah, okay. I haven't read any books. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, mate, yeah, it's same here. I own a magazine and can't stand reading, so uh, <laughs> that's going to change for me. Um how do you go about starting your pups, mate? Um, I've changed a bit recently. Um, you know, I, ideally, I, I want to have them, you know, a sit and recall and, and rough sides by six months. Um, ideally, and then, you know, trained enough to a point where they can do most jobs on their own or, or compete at trials by 12 months, and then, uh, then I introduce them to, like, backing and dry dry cattle at 12 months and then um, 18 months is sort of the cows and calves kind of thing. But, yeah, look, I don't do anything special. Um, like I said, a sit, uh, recall, and it hasn't happened. Trust me, I've had 12-month-old dogs that, you know, I can't catch yet. It's just – but ideally, in an ideal world, you'd, I want it all by six months. And um, as far as on shape um, – yeah, I don't have trainer sheep. I just use whatever's around. Like if I've got some dry ewes, I'll use them or, um, you know, some, some cull ewes or something like that, something that's, that's, you know, close to the yards for a reason. So, yeah, I just start off with whatever, just in my sheep yards, no training, yards, just what I have available. So how much training do you put into your young dogs or is most of it, like, done on the job? Nah, not on the job. Um, I, I think on the job is to build experience. Um, so how much training do I do? Oh, it varies depending on the year. And like most people, not, a, not as much as I should be doing. Um, probably oh, lately I've been trying to do it twice a week if I'm lucky. Um, but, yeah, like I train my young dogs uh, just, yeah, like I said, in a controlled environment. Um, I think if you train them properly from the start and then given the experience at work, you're going to have a far better product at the end. Like if you take them to work, and I've trained them on job early on too, um, so I've tried it. Like they still learn and they, they pick things up quite well, but I just, you know, their responses to commands aren't as sharp because they've learned to... Um, sort of not ignore you but not look for you as much or not look for you but you know they just sort of do the job at hand and then you go do another job and they're a bit lost um, whereas at least if you have that training you can direct them. Got a question from Danny Kerr here and um, how do you know when your young dogs are ready to start trialing? Have you got uh, have you got steps that you put in put them through? No. <laughs> No, so like I said, I don't have a training set up 
Uh, I know a lot of people have like a, a yard trial course or a three sheep course set up. I, I don't. Um, just when you feel they're they're ready, uh, when you think they're ready, wait another six months is, is what I found. Um, it, it's just as long as your dog's got some experience and and some control on it, then it's probably ready for trialing. Um, but it all, all depends what type of trial and you know how competitive you want to be straight away. Like like I said, my general rule is if I think a dog's ready to trial. I'll try and wait another six months, um, give it six months more work, and then I know for sure that it's ready. What, what do you think the benefit of waiting is? Is that so you're not frying it under the pressure? No, it's just so I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> we all think our dogs are better, you know, like if you've got a young dog that you really like, you think he's one of the best dogs around, and then you take yeah. him to a trial and not get shown up but you, you soon figure out where his flaws are um so you just i don't know i just wait that extra six months and just round the dog off a bit more and um like experience is is pretty important and um yeah i just they don't embarrass you as much or you don't embarrass yourself as much cool so how long have you been trialing for no i don't know when when do you how do you count it like i said i think I think I mucked around with dad's dog when I was about eight, eight, nine or 10, but that was just little, you know, trials that were just from one yard to another, basically. Um, so I'm 28 now, so that'd be 20 years. So that's, that sounds too long. Um, and I got my first, like I said, first dog at 14. So probably first trial with her at 15. Um, but I didn't seriously get into dogs until I got, Buster, and that's I was 18 or 19 then, so probably yeah, 10, 10 to 15 years. So, so which one was that? I can't really say. Um, what's your favorite form of trialing? Obviously, you do a few different trialing types of trialing. Have, have you got a, a favorite? Um, I like them all, really. That's why I do uh, a lot of them. Um, I, I do like cattle trialing, but there's not that many around here. It's more north. Uh, there's some in Victoria, but in more northern New South Wales and Queensland. Um, oh, it just just depends what you what I feel like. I don't have a preference. Um, yeah, you know, yard trials are good because you can you can do them in a day or two days. Um, you know, three sheep trials take a lot longer, so it's convenience as, as well as um preference really yep so when starting out who sort of ex um inspired you Ooh. um there was a couple um i reckon norm severs he sort of helped me out a lot when i was young which a lot of a lot of you guys probably wouldn't wouldn't have heard of he's down in gippsland yep. um rod cavill was another one you know, it's funny. Like when I had my first dog, she, um, you know, I struggled to finish the course with her and, you know, it was getting embarrassing and a lot of people didn't really want to know me or didn't really want to help me um, and they did. Um, and also well, I know this, this fella comes up a fair bit and I know Bree talked very highly of him, but Travis Scott, he helped me a lot when I was younger too. Um, 
like yeah, when I was at when I was in in high school, um, I'd go and do holiday work for Travis, and yeah, he'd let me work my dog all day long if I wanted to, um, and yeah, give me tips and advice and and whatever else. So yeah, probably those three: Norm, Rod, and and Trav. And then how about now, mate? Are there any trailers out there that that you feel make you strive to be better? That like you're like I really like what they do, and you know that um, you can drive to do be better. Um, it's not not anyone that really inspires me, but there's a big push probably the last two or three years of of younger handlers, um, and they all want to compete against each other, and they all want to get better. Um, so you know knowing there's all these good young handlers coming up, you know, makes makes me and makes everyone around us sort of get better and push ourselves. Um, so they don't, they don't, well, they inspire me in some aspects, but it's more that, um, yeah, they, they give me a bit of drive to get better because if, yeah. you know, if I stop doing what I'm doing, then, yeah, I'm going to fall to the bottom pretty quick. Mate, now you've been pretty modest there, but, yeah, a bit of a successful household name around the trolling scene. Um, especially in the utility and yard dogs um, for several years now, do you feel any pressure from that yourself? And if you do, do you use that as a tool? Um, How do you cope with that? No, nah, so I used I used to feel the pressure um, pretty obviously at times. Like when I mostly just had Buster, you know. And it, like I remember, um, I remember I came up from Victoria to compete at the Ultimate Stock Dog the first year it ran. And um, yeah, I didn't know many many people there, and and not many people knew me. And then we we came through and won it. And after that, I also won a state championship that year too. So after that year, um, a lot of people sort of knew me, but I didn't know them. And I, you know, I'd go to compete in the yard trial, and look over the fence, and see people come and watch Buster. And I really felt the pressure from that. And um, it. But I think once you um, get a few more dogs going and, and like so I've won, yeah, Moss and Scout are both won nationals as well. So that I don't feel the pressure anymore because it's, yeah, uh, I've done it now and I can relax. And I think a lot, of the, a lot of the pressure comes when you have one really big win with one dog and then everyone watches you to see what else you can do. Um, so that's how I saw it and that's what I felt. Because uh, no one really wants to be a one-hit wonder or get you know known to be lucky and win one yeah, trial. Happy to be a one-hit wonder. No, he's two hits now. Like two hits now. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's getting over that fact from from one dog that's had one good win to two dogs that have had several good wins is that's that's where you relieve the pressure. So you just approach every trial like another day in the office now, like you be going to work. Well, yeah, now. Now it doesn't doesn't worry me much, and back then I wasn't working my dogs every day. I was at uni studying, and then on weekends I'd come home and muck around with Buster. So whereas now I'm working my dogs every day, I know every single thing that they're going to do, and you know I know what they can do and what they can't do. And um, yeah, I'm pretty confident in what in their ability. So I just yeah, I, and then bad luck happens, obviously, but that's out of my control and out of their control. So another question here from Danny Kerr. How do you get yourself and your dogs ready for those big trials? No. 
like I said, I don't have a training set up or anything like that. Um, I don't have a training shape. I just uh, like if it's a, if it's a big trial, I might do. Now it depends on the dog what I do. I won't work them down or anything like that. Like I said, they're they're experienced dogs. They they work every day. They don't need anything different. It just yeah. So like Ace, um, people who know him knows he's got a lot of bite. So he was one that I'd I'd um, just for five minutes. I'd put him in a tight pen and get him doing circles in the tight pen, trying to draw that bite out of him um, just to get on top of it. But I wouldn't do that with any of the other dogs. That it wasn't a problem. Same as, um, you know, a, a dog that's probably a bit tighter on their stock and you're going to a utility, I might spend literally like two minutes just getting in the head a little bit and that's it, like not much. Question from Nick Foster here. We've got a couple here, but um, do you think trialing um, is getting better um, uh, in the years as uh, as we're evolving? Like, uh, well, I suppose as the years are going on. Um, oh, we hope so. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the top end is getting, um, you know, better. Yep. Um, it's getting closer. Like, like the top probably. If you have a field of 100 dogs, probably the top 30 are closer together than what probably what they used to be. Um, like I said, there's a big push of young handlers. Like it's pretty – you go to a trial and just the young ones, I know there's older ones too that are tough, but, you know, if Jake's there and, and Matt Sherwood and Aode and Ayo Doyle and Campbell and Bree and Kate and Mitch and Kate's sister Renee, and you know, they're all pretty tough to beat. Um so I think that's where I see the big improvement is is the people wanting to do more with their dogs and push their dogs a fair bit more. Um, that's that's how we're going to get better. And to add to that, I suppose you've been around for, like, let's say, 10 years now. Nick's asked, where do you think trying can get to in the next 10 years? Oh. I don't know. I was going to talk about this in the later on, but... Um, in the next 10 years, I'd like there to be like, this is probably a bit off topic, but. Um, That's what we're here for. <laughs> I'd, I'd really like to see, and I, I think we have to do it in Australia. It won't happen, but I think we have to, is merge the cattle yard and three sheep associations and have one national working dog body. Um, I think there's been, there's been a few people try and do their own separate national association and draw members from these other other state associations but it just doesn't work there's just not not enough depth in australia in the dog industry or trialing industry to do that but i reckon if if they all merge and we have a national working dog society um you know it, it'll encourage more all-round type dogs you still run your cattle trials and your yard trials and and all that sort of stuff but it'd be a whole working dog community and um that's where I'd like to see it get to, but it's all sorts of benefits. Um, you know, you'd have thousands of members, which would draw greater sponsorship, which would draw greater prize money, which would draw more entries, which would snowball the whole thing. But there's so many barriers between here and there. Um, what do you think but, some of those barriers are? Uh, well, I mean, I don't even know how many associations there are in Australia. You'd have yeah. three or four state cattle associations 
you know, every state's got their own three sheep, every state's got their own yard. Um, you know, you'd have heaps of people battling it out just to try and figure out what to do. Um, and then, you'd, you know, we're getting a bit off topic, but you'd have to put full-time people on to, to run it as well. It wouldn't be a volunteer thing. Um, but, yeah, in the next 10 years, hopefully we can get closer to that, that one Australian um, working dog. So you've obviously competed all across Australia. How does the trialling change from state to state and stuff like that? Um, or does it not much really? No, it does. It does slightly. Uh, there's obviously a lot of similar aspects as well, but I don't know. I hope I don't offend anyone here, but, like, to me, the Western Australian sheep are very similar to the northern New South Wales sheep in, um, like, they're pretty light and pretty runny. You need a dog more to shape a mob rather than move a mob. And same thing, in, once you get those sheep in the yards, they just sort of flow and run. You don't need a strong yard dog, really. There's always um, exceptions to that, but that's sort of what I found. And then sort of southern New South Wales, you need the, well, not the opposite type of dog, but um, a more punchier yard dog. This is yard dog trolling I'm talking yep. about, really. Um, you know, southern New South Wales usually, usually has tighter drench races, more sheep. Um, the sheep are usually a bit heavier as well. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that's why we have a variety of dogs is because we have a variety of stock. You think the sheep are heavier? Is there any particular reason you think the sheep are heavier or, or identify that they are? Oh, we probably run more more composite breed, you know, composites and suffolks and that sort of stuff, um, southern New South Wales and Victoria, and they're just heavier and bigger um, than the merinos. Um, yep. So obviously personal preference too, but maybe numbers, you know. Yep. Um, maybe running – well, we are running larger numbers in smaller areas, Um yeah, I'm just guessing. So obviously in all your travels, you've seen a lot of people handle a lot of different dogs. What is probably the main thing you see people or handlers struggle with and where do you think they can improve? Um, ooh. I think there's oh, – I'm going to get in trouble here, but I think there's a lot of um, – there was a lack of like natural stockmen and women, I suppose. Like people always talk about reading stock. I think the really good fellas, and there's only a handful of them, can actually just feel the stock. Um, and that's that's where I think a lot of people can improve. Um, and it and it is getting better, but probably also the control of a dog too. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of dogs that don't have much control really. Uh, well, I think, and um, you know the the old well the the well known theory is that um, having a troll means having a robot dog, and that's you know that's not true at all. But um, some people don't you know deliberately say that they just want to let their dog figure it out and let their dog control the situation, which is fine. Um, but I think we need to you know with control we can get heaps better and and do a lot more. I think there is. There's that, like I said, there's that big push of um, younger handlers that want to 
see what they can actually do with the dog and what their dogs are actually capable of. Break down some of that stigma, I suppose, is what you're getting at a bit there as well, that, you know, uh, trial dog's only a trial dog. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, that was going around well before my time, so I can't really say where that came from. Well, we won't put you on the spot there. What's uh, what's your favourite trial to participate in? Ooh, I've been thinking about this because it's hard to have a favourite, really, but um, I hope he's watching, but Roscoe, Roscoe McIntosh and Marcus Campbell, they run a really good trial down at, down at Mount Hess um, in Southern Vic. Um, it's only run once and I went to it uh, this year and it's a, just a really, really good on-farm trial. You know, everyone, well, most people were staying in the, the shearers' quarters and it's just, you know, great shearing shed, a lot of history there and great yards and just really well looked after, just a really good trial. Perfect. Um, what do you feel is your best achievement so far with dogs or just life in general? Um, oh, in, in dogs, there's a, there's a couple that sort of stick out, but um, oh, one, one, one of the, there's two main ones, probably three main ones, but I'll, anyway, the, one of them was the cattle championship this year, winning the Australian cattle. Um, mostly because I just, you know, didn't expect it. I was up there for the Australian Yard Championship and they they ran the cattle at the same time and I thought I'll, I'll chuck some dogs in. Um, and I didn't even really watch the cattle runs. Like I said, I was focused on the yard trial, um, you know, and ended up coming through and winning it. And that was a that was special because it was a bit of a surprise and a shock. Um, like I remember I walked off the, the cattle final I think I was first. I was first out in the cattle final and walked off there. Gave, um, I think I gave my mum scout and then took Buster off off my mum as well and walked into the yard final. Um, so that's where my mind was at. Um, but the other one, like, and it's before you guys, um, but you would have heard of it. The ultimate stock dog USD um, winning the inaugural one of that was was pretty special. Um, yeah, I didn't. Came up from Victoria with with one dog, and like I said before, no one really knew me. I didn't really know anyone. Um, but yeah, that that was good because I didn't have a chance. I didn't really think I had a chance. I was just having a go. And then the Saturday night uh, is when was sort of the first time you knew where you were sitting in sort of the order because they run the yard or they used to run the half the yard and half the three sheep Friday and then swap it over for the Saturday and Sunday was the cattle. So I think Saturday night I was sitting about third and thought, oh, I might actually be able to have a crack here. And then um, Mr. Cavill, the bread buster, he was there. I asked him to come over and look at the cattle for me because I had barely worked cattle at that stage. And um, he talked me through it and then we had a good enough run on the cattle and we won it. Um, so that was pretty special. Pretty big achievement, mate. Yeah, well, went all that way with one dog and got the chocolates. Happy days. But uh, it's probably um, a bit more of the way you feel like to if all the associations were joined as well, like and be able to run trials like that more often would um, would be pretty pretty big in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Look, I just 
look, they're good to do, but there's not many people that will do that type of trialling. I mean, there's a few, um, but they're pretty spread out over over probably two or three states. Yeah. Um, but they are like that's that's an all round type dog, really cattle yard paddock. Um, yeah, not not everyone will be willing to have a go at it, but that's yeah, you don't have to run those sort of trials if if all the associations merge. You just you know, still run individual trials, but you could have a catalogue of the year, yard dog of the year, whatever. Um, then an overall dog of the year too. And I don't know, it's something I've been thinking about and I'm probably talking too much about it, but I just get a bit annoyed when, you know, you hear someone say they've got the best best dog in Australia and you say, oh, well, who was at the competition? And, you know, you could list off 10 names of really good handlers that weren't there because it's not their discipline if that yeah. makes sense like in a yard championship and you got the likes of you know mick hudson or robert johnson they're not there because they don't troll in yards um i don't know it's just a something that annoys yeah. me i think logistically pretty expensive to be able to sort something like that out as well so would need a lot of sponsorship and backing mm. you know from a lot of different individuals to be able to put something on um, and to keep it going, you know, because you know, it has has been tried before, but I think logistically, well, financially, sort of, yeah, financially, it's a pretty big burden to have. Well, something like the USD, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, but regularly yeah. have something going like that. Yeah, well, there's yeah. a couple. Manage. Uh, yeah, like Geary's doing something similar and, and yeah. so Garrett and Campbell down at, at Mansfield. Um, but you're right, and it's, I think it's the interest that will fade um just as yeah there's not not that many people that are willing to back their dogs out in the paddock if they mostly do yard work or if they do cattle work their dogs are probably a bit bitey or a bit close on sheep or whatever it may be there's just not many people that are willing to have a crack another question here from denny kerr if there's one stockman or dog handler that you'd like to spend the day working with dead or alive who would it be and why Oh, I don't know. Um, it'd have to be someone dead, uh, you know, because if they're alive, <laughs> I can just ring them up now. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, well, this, yeah, you know, I'm just pulling a name out here, but uh, Charlie Robertson, um, he was sort of at the end of his, his career and dogs-wise when I was just getting into it. But yeah, he's very well known in Gippsland and Victoria as having good, strong dogs. Um, I didn't get to, I only got to see one dog, and I've got, I don't think it was his best dog he ever had. But um, yeah, and there's still dogs around now like, that are related to his his bloodlines. So they've stood up. Um, but he's one I'd, you know, back in his heyday, would like to go and have a chat to and watch his dogs. Fantastic. And is there a message you'd like to get out into working dog or livestock community? I think I've pretty much said it, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> I just, just, um, oh, well, I just, I just think that the working dog industry is not big, you know, it's not big enough for what have we got? A dozen different associations in Australia, if not more. Um, it's just so, it dilutes it so much. And um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I think I made it clear. That's all right. I still try and see if there was another. <laughs> Away from dogs, do you have a hobby or talent people probably wouldn't know about? Um, 
Not really. Dogs, dogs and work is what I do, which is usually the same thing, working dogs. Pretty dedicated there, mate. Oh, to work. That's what pays the bills. <laughs> um, nah, just dogs and work mostly. Nah, very cool, mate. And away from Q&As, is there anything else on Dog Talk that you think uh, we may be able to service our community with? Um, oh, look, I think everyone says this to you, but you're doing a great job so far. I think um, a few different things you could do would, you know, and I'm sure you've got a long list of things you're thinking about already. But, uh, you know, you could do coordinate a few dog schools, you know, yeah. you know, dog talk dog schools or something um, with different handlers. Or I think you're in a prime position to basically showcase Australia's dogs around the world as well. Um, you know, you, dog talk will, will grow as, as a media platform and, um, you know, we can definitely start getting into different countries and, just again to see our dogs and see they're actually half handy. Uh, but also, I, I don't know, I just think you're doing a great job with, with the messaging, like the forums on your page and, and the message you're trying to send. Like um, one thing I would like to say too is that if anyone wants to learn about dogs, you know, they can look at Dog Talk or, or even you know, Facebook's probably funny as the forums on there, but you can find nearly any dog handler or trainer on Facebook. And just send them a message. Like very few are going to ever say no or not reply. Um, yeah, I've got a few few people that don't trial that send me videos and questions about dogs and I'll either reply straight away or reply four or five days later. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a bit of a message is to start messaging dog handlers on Facebook and you'll, you'll get better and they'll give you advice. Cool, mate. We've got a question coming in here. Do you, a uh, question from Marie McKillop. Do you, oh, enjoy, <laughs> do you enjoy doing training days? Um, like running running your own? Uh, I do. It depends who turns up. Um, yep. Yeah, a bit of banter is always good So uh, well, as well. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is good. <laughs> it's, it's well, what do you take away from it personally? Oh, it really makes me think about my training methods and what I do. Um, yeah, and it exposes me to a lot larger variety of dogs than what I have here, particularly like we discussed, most handlers go and, and try and select a type of dog to bring in, whereas at a dog school you've got all sorts of dogs and that's where you've got to become a real dog trainer and not, not training one particular type of dog your whole life. No, 100%. Sorry, mate, I had a laugh then because Jake said I've got a great head for radio. Thanks, brother. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anyone you'd like to see us sit down and do a Q&A with? Oh, I said some of them earlier. Like yeah. I think Norm, Norm Severs, he'd be, he'd be a good one. Like he's very experienced in, in the three-sheep world. Um, he's done a lot of judging. Uh, he's judged the national. I don't know, even know his whole list of what he's done. But he's judged the national Kelpie trial at least once. He's judged several, several state yard trials, several several state utilities. I'm sure, and I don't know, so no one um, get up me for this. But I'm sure he's judged state three sheep trials. Um, judged paddock section at the USD. He's, he's done a lot. 
he'd be one to sit down and talk to. Um, I've got a couple others too. Um, look, I've already mentioned him a couple of times, but but Rod Cavill. I know Bree mentioned him as well, uh, and he probably will never get him on here. But if we keep mentioning him, maybe maybe we can squeeze him on here. Yeah. Um, um, another another one that's probably a bit different is is Travis Ware in South Australia. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy talking to him about dogs. Um, he hasn't. You know, he's a bit quieter with, with what he says, but he's yeah, I quite like the the train of thought he has with dogs. Um, and yeah, this this fella, yeah, I don't know. You'll ask him five questions for the night, I reckon. He'll just keep talking and talking. But um, Travis Scott's one that he always has a lot to say. And um, yeah, like I said, five questions and you'll be done for the night. He'll just keep going. But, I mean, he's, it's just an interesting one because Bree and I have both worked for Trav at different stages and then we've both come through with national Kelpie wins. So, um, you know, it's probably worth chatting to him. Cool. We've got a question here from Mark Mangold. Everyone says what they like in a dog. What don't you like in a dog? A lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Pick a couple of your main things. Oh. Like, how do I explain it? Like dogs that lie down a lot, creep around like moss. I hate it. I really hate it. Um, and dogs that don't cover, that's a real pet thing for me. If, if the dog can't cover, I don't want it. I don't care if it is really good on cattle or can back 100 metres. I, I don't care. If it can't cover, I don't want it. Um, but, yeah, there's a few other things. Like dogs are sort of bully sheep as well. I don't like them at all. Um, but yeah, Why is that? Oh, well, that's just not really my personality. Like, um, I prefer a bit of a, a softer natured and just a softer handler dog, which is generally a bit more respectful of their sheep. Um, and they'll probably, they let me down in certain situations, but it just doesn't fire, fire me up as if a dog that just won't leave sheep alone, that's what really gets me going um so yeah it's just something i can't stand anything that doesn't get the heart rate up yeah well we're all trying to stay calm and if we're angry it doesn't help the dog it doesn't help the stock and it doesn't help me no totally get that mate so a few questions there tonight mate was there one that stuck out for you oh i actually forgot to think about that um i reckon one of the I reckon Nick's one, actually, of, um, well, they're sort of joined, aren't they? The trialing yeah. the past 10 years and the uh, trialing the next 10 years. Sort of, yeah, that's, that's a very interesting one. It could go a lot of places. Well, there you go, Rooster. I've already got most of your details, mate, but I'm sure I'll hear from him by uh, 9.36 um, <laughs> with all his details. So give us a call, Nick, and... Um, We'll uh, organise that bag of dog food for you. I don't think so, the bag will make it to him, will it? Yeah. Oh, he'll get there. <laughs> Last question of the night. Would you prefer to fight one oh, dog the size of the horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Well, I've talked to some friends about this and I think it's a pretty easy answer. And I don't know why anyone hasn't said it already, but um, what is it, 20, 20 horses the size of ducks? 
Because then you can just open your dog cages and let loose. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they that train on Indian runners, um, <laughs> probably now is the time to turn off. Never their horses, Dan. Love it, mate. It's something different. I Left field. That that, that's different again. So uh, there you go. Get, get something different every time. And um, lot, thank you very much for your time tonight, Adam, uh, and all our viewers out there. And please remember. We learn every day, and the day we stop to learn will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Good night. Cheers.